Hello, listeners. Welcome back for another episode of the 1970 podcast. It's been a while. Um, not too much has happened uh, on the pitch because the season's been canceled. Uh, but we'll get into all that and more on tonight's episode. We're recording on uh, Thursday evening. Uh, joining me as always is Mark Damon. Let's uh, check in with him. Mark, how are you doing through all this craziness? I'm, I'm still here. So, you know, there's there's that. Yeah, I didn't go anywhere. Um, I'm still here. Um, it's kind of good to be revving back into action here. Um, we're not too far away from, I would assume, the beginning of some sort of training. So, you know, let's 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 start putting PSG back into focus again. I think I think two months was a good enough time to sort of uh, make sure that we all sort of had our bearings and were able to cope with all of this. And I, I'll just say up front for all of the people who listen to our shows, um, I'm sure this has been about as rough a two months for you guys as it has been for me and for red over here. So, you know, we're through probably the worst of it. So, you know, let's, you know, let's get ready to hopefully cheer a, a nice champions league run, the beginning of the, Next league on season, God help us all, and whatever else can come our way. You know, that's it's true what they say. You don't really know what you have until it's gone, and we kind of take PSG's dominance in league on for for granted. And right now, I would take them just destroying Tulu right now, eight nil, if I could have it. Well, you know. <laughs> Get ready, because you're going to see a lot more dominance in the next few years. Well, that's what I wanted to start the show. So our topic, number one, is going to be a reflection on Ligon's decision to cancel the season. And uh, I kind of wanted to kick that off with a discussion about your piece. Um, I slapped a headline on it called, Government's Decision to Shut Down Ligon Was Wrong and Will Forever Change French Football. And you and I have gone back and forth on Twitter before about, you know, you think the game should be played. And I'm, I'm sort of on the fence where I'm like, I don't know, the players could contract something and bring it home to their child or an elderly uh, resident in their home, maybe their grandmother. But you had a part in the piece that convinced me, that brought me over to your side, and it was, you know, if players don't feel comfortable, so like Troy Deeney at Watford said he has a small child and he doesn't feel comfortable, that if these players, if there's certain players that don't feel comfortable or staff, then they should be allowed to stay at home and be paid. But the game should go on. And I think that's what finally convinced me. Um, to join your oh. side and that these games should be played. But if you want to talk oh. about that that piece that you wrote well, and then jump well, into the topic, go, uh, for, go for it. Well, I'm going to start with that specific point and then we can kind of broaden yeah. back out. I think that if you have a legitimate reason that you don't want to go out and play, and I think there's – and you don't know everyone's situation. You don't know where they are in their lives or – or how they sort of react to these things. Mm-hmm. But we the, the goal should not be to sort of pull people out of their homes and put them back onto the field and, and force them to play. That's not how that that's not that's sort of counterproductive. It's obviously counterproductive. Right. The thing that, you know, we have to be able to do, I think, is a reasonable risk assessment. And for certain players they have certain conditions, obviously. They're players that probably have diabetes or asthma or some sort of other underlying condition where it might not be the smartest thing for them to go out and play eight games at the end of a season that may not really matter anyway. Yeah. I get that. That's reasonable. 
it has to be reasonable though. It can't be it, it, it to me it cannot be based on feeling. It has to be based on what do the facts of this tell us? Because then it then you're opening a Pandora's box of oh, I don't it I don't feel safe. There's a difference mm-hmm. between not feeling safe and actually not being safe. Mm-hmm. One of those things you have to overcome it. Whether you need to go to whether you need to go see a psychologist, whether you need to have sort of work, you know, you have to work on yourself for a, a little bit. There's a fundamental difference between not feeling safe and genuinely not being safe and being in a, in a risk group. And I think we have to we have to as a society, and it sports in really specifically in sports, we have to make it very clear that that's the conversation we're having. Like, you know, they're not, they're not sending players out there to die. Like we're, yeah. I, I think we're mature enough as a society at this point in 2020, where these sports leagues are not sending these players out. If they thought that there was a really strong chance that if they contracted something on the field, that they were not going to live through it. Right. I don't think we're that, ghoulish for money and I, I and I know there are people in this world that are way more cynical than I am but I that's where I stand on that and yeah go ahead no and I was gonna say I, I totally agree with you and I don't think I think Troy Deeney just using him as an example just because he's been the most outspoken about it and has a really good example I don't think if that's his reason I think that's good enough if he says I just don't feel comfortable I have a small child at home and for those reasons I'm just not going to I, I feel like that's okay yeah, and I, I think, though, also that if you're not – I think there has to be a, a line mm-hmm. where you say, if I'm not comfortable – as opposed to being at risk, I'm not at risk really for any sort of major thing happening here, but there is a comfort level that I need to have to go out there and play. Right. I don't think it's up to, to them to then have – I don't. I mean, Watford could pay him, but I don't think it's their obligation to pay him at that point. And he would probably be fine with like, that. Yeah, and you know what though? But that's if he if if you have the the strength of your convictions, then yes, you would you would sit at home and you would mm-hmm. forego the eight. I don't know how the checks work at that point. I think European football is a little different in the way the money is is given out. Yeah. So. I'm sure he would mispay, but if if that's how he feels, he should genuinely be able to do that. No one should be forced to do anything. And and he's a a veteran. He's been in the Premier League for a few years now. I'm sure he'd go a few months without a paycheck. I don't know his financial situation, but he should be fine. Yeah, and then then the question needs to be asked, okay, so when the new Premier League season starts Mm -hmm. in September or so, whenever it starts, is he comfortable then? Right. Is 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 there a different... Does, what changes from now to then? Yeah, because we're probably not going to have a vaccine at the earliest until December, you know, Christmas time. We've and never had a vaccine. We've never had vaccines for coronavirus. Right. That's the, I mean, we, we, you know, you can't, I, that's why I don't understand people like saying we're, we need to have all this stuff until there's a vaccine. Not, not if history has anything to say with it. Like, it, it, and, and people yeah. are starting, I think people are starting, it's taking them a while. Yeah, but I think there. I think more people are starting to come to a, a a better place with this than you know 
I'm afraid of my groceries and I need to like wipe them down with wipes before I put them in my put them in my kitchen. Like I think we're we're past that point of this and I think we're to a a reasonable level of risk mitigation that we now need to take, which again, I'm I understand. Yeah. I I'm at I'm probably at a different I'm probably more um I'm probably more in the camp of I think we're still doing too much restriction. Can I give I mean, you can I give you a good example of too much restriction just based off of where I live? Yeah. <laughs> so I live in in Tennessee and you're in New York and but where I am I think we've got like one person is currently hospitalized and I go into we have a a pet store and it has like a vet attached to it so I go to take my dog and they say we can't let you into the lobby into where the vet that's attached to the pet store but the pet store is open and accepting people in and out with that and they're not requiring masks whatsoever and there's no like physical barrier between the vet and the pet store and I'm like, you guys are aware that the virus isn't just going to stop at that small little line on the floor. So, that, like, that's the level of ridiculousness that this has now gotten to. People are being, well, no. like, over-restrictive, and it makes no sense. Well, no, it doesn't make any sense. It, every, a lot of this is arbitrary, and it's based off of not pseudoscience, but some of it's guesswork. Some of it's patching certain things together. Like, is, is six feet really the number? Is it more like five? Is it more like seven? Right. Like are you know are we are, are we bringing the tape measure out to make sure that everyone is six feet apart, and, you know and and I think that if we're gonna try to bring this back to the article and the point of the article that I I was really trying to to hammer home, which is that statistically, mm-hmm. and I know that statistics are only part of the story. I understand that there are outliers in statistics. That's the whole point of it. In, in probability, there is an there are outlier, you know, there are outliers of 30-year-olds dropping dead. Right. Like, it just, it's going to happen in some form or another. And it happens with everything. People have heart attacks at age 30. People have strokes at age 30. People, you know, it, I think when we talk about medical science and we look at, what the numbers are saying across multiple continents, we now have over 5 million people who have contracted this in some form or another that have recorded that have recorded cases of this right over 5 million, about 350,000 deaths, something around that mark, a vast majority of the people that have died from this virus have been elderly people, meaning 60 and older, 65 and older, with underlying comorbidities, meaning diabetes, Mm -hmm. hypertension, high blood pressure, asthma, um, uh, different sorts of heart issues. So this virus kills, but the vast majority of the people that it kills are people that are not playing professional sports. And that's just a factual statement. And I think that when we now talk about risk mitigation and we talk about knowing facts and understanding what the virus does and who the most at-risk people are for severe complications, 
And yes, there will be people that I think there was a player in League One. Uh, I think his name was yeah, Junior Sambia, mm-hmm. who had complications from this young guy. I don't know what his medical history was, but that's going to happen. It just is. Like there's there's no sort of unless you want to completely shut down the society, there's no way around that potentially happening. But exactly. we have yeah. to we have to make those choices based on the facts that we have and the, and sort of where it, you know, where we end in the probability scale. No, it's, it's very true. And, um, you know, you look around, you've got the, the Bundesliga that's already played two rounds of matches. Uh, news yes. came out today. You had the Premier league saying that they're going to return, return on June 17th. Uh, Syria is going to re- return. If I can say that word correctly, June uh, 20th. And the Liga is going to be back uh, June 12th, I think I, I, I thought I had read. So yeah. four of the five top leagues in Europe are returning to play, and Ligue 1 is the only one that is standing firm thus far. Now, the president of Lyon is demanding, essentially, he reached out on Twitter um, that he wants to see French teams come back, resume training. He's thinking maybe June 2nd and then pick up the league sometime in July. Do you think that there's any chance that what he's demanding is actually possible? They'd have to revoke PSG's championship teams that qualified for Europe next season are going to obviously be upset. Now they have to, you know, play additional games to achieve that accomplishment. Do you think this is going to happen? The only way it would happen is if PSG wrote a letter or made it public saying, we are willing to abdicate our championship and restart the season. Because mm-hmm. that is the only way that the political pressure would start to mount. Because as long as PSG holds firm in that and doesn't say anything, then I don't think League Gun's going to... I don't think that the French government's going to feel the need to do anything. Yeah. Because loss is really an agitator. Like... <laughs> I think he's right. I think he's fighting a good fight here, and I think that there should be the. I think he should do this. He's even taking legal action think, too. I think he should because yeah. I think you need in any sort of functioning society. I think you need dissension, and I think that we've had a whole lack of dissension in all of this, and it's led us down some pretty bad paths. Yeah, when it comes to what we've done, especially with the lockdowns. You have to you have to have some form of dissension. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I'm not sure it necessarily should go anywhere. And I'm not and I and I'm I think I try to make it clear in the piece. I don't think it's the French government's job or the LFP's job to to absolutely make sure that the season is finished no matter what because that's not smart. Like you have to do it based off of the facts you have. What I I think try to make this point i hope i make it well enough i think the shame of it is that i don't think that the lfp was ever really given a chance yeah. i don't think legon was given the opportunity to show that they could do it and they were trying to put plans in place before they made the decision on the 28th but think about that really today is the 28th of may yeah we're a month out we know a lot more now than we did in April, on April twenty eighth. Well, we know that the, we knew, the French we knew, 
We know that the French government had incorrect information. They thought UEFA wanted the leagues to be completed by like the beginning of August, I believe. So they were going off of, and the and UEFA president has come out and said like nobody said anything about that deadline. So we, they had a lot more time than what they thought. The whole thing just seems like a almost like a conspiracy. I I hate to put on my tinfoil hat here, but I'm really finding it hard to understand why they made the decision when they did and why they went with canceling the league when there was no one beating down the door saying, you got to make a decision. It just seemed completely unnecessary. It was. And, and, I, and I really try to hammer the statistics of this all in my piece. And I do it at the beginning for a very specific reason, because I want to make the point that even at that point, on yeah. the 28th, we knew that there was, if you were able to do enough testing, theoretically, if you did enough testing... And you were able to isolate positive cases that you caught. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have the games with fans in the stands. And you did them in empty stadiums. You could absolutely play these games. And you knew that. I believe most people at least understood that that was a theoretical possibility worth trying. Would it have worked? Apparently, it looks like it. It is going to work. And think about yeah. how innovative League On would have looked. I mean, if they were the first one to say we're going to return, like that would have been so much good publicity for them. So, like news Maybe, outlets across but, the world would have picked that up. But I don't even think. I think that's even besides the point. Yeah. I think. I don't think they had to make any decision at all. True. Yeah. I mean, Italy hasn't really made. They've kind of made a decision. They're 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 scheduling those games. But yeah, they I could, think today. They could pull back on that if they want to. So can the Premier League. They mm-hmm. can pull back in the Bundesliga. You can pull back if you if you want to. There's because, nothing saying yeah. that you have to play these games. And they're they're constantly testing. And we should say that you know the Bundesliga is returned. And I believe some players have tested positive in the Premier League. Some players I think have also, or maybe staff members. But there's been positive cases. But to one of your older points that you made, like this isn't age. Just because you get it doesn't mean you're going to die. It just means you you have to take precautions you need to be isolated and monitored and and all of that so you know I, I i think you can play these games and if someone contracts it you take the necessary steps yeah and and again we did we know that would work on, April, on no. april 28th no. no but theoretically it could which is why it it, it, it was just in it was inexplicable it, it really was sort of inexplicable and i try to to explain why i think that it happened and my the best I can come up with, and I think it's a pretty darn good explanation, is you just sort of have to understand the culture in France compared to those other four countries where football is just a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Like in France, I think people in France care about football, but I feel like the LFP and the Ligue 1 and Ligue 2, it, it's still like 1997. And you're still like dealing with these provincial clubs with very modest means that have to mine their players from random, you know, from all parts of the world for very little money. And they have to sell the players to make any sort of profit. And they're really heavily reliant on attendance to make, you know, to make it work. And I, I think that if they were more open about it, 
then I think maybe they could have given an, given the following explanation. And that's that, unlike other leagues that have really good television money, like the Premier League does not have to fill their stadiums to, to have those clubs survive. Yeah, no. They can play in-camera games, and the television money will carry them through. Same with La Liga, same with the other the other four. It's similar to like the NFL here in the United States. It's all about the TV money. Yeah, you, yeah it's, a lot of it's about TV money. In Italy, I'm not sure what the TV money situation is. I don't know if it's much better than in France, but there's definitely a, a, a more there, – there's definitely a bigger cultural attachment mm-hmm. to the sport. So I understand why they try to, to go with it. But in France, it's like, can they, you know, they, they that new TV deal that's supposed to kick in next season, that's supposed to be a billion dollar TV deal that they got, mm-hmm. it hasn't kicked in yet. So I get that there was a real concern about maybe the financial aspect of this and playing these games at a loss as opposed to making any sort of profit from it. I also understand that in France, I think unlike the other four major league, maybe Italy, Italy is probably uh, with uh, alongside France here in this case of sort of shoddy security and not quite the, the, the most civilized fans mm-hmm. on the planet. So they might've been concerned about, you know, what happened in that PSG Dortmund match where all the fans That's true, yeah. were outside the park and they had really, you know, they were able to keep them out there, but that's still a lot of people in a confined space. And if you have just one of those things happen, you might have to shut it down in the sense that it, you can't have people near the stadium when they're playing the game. Do you think the Premier League is going to be able to do that? Because, I mean, when Liverpool yeah, clinched I, a title, I, their fans are going to be outside. I guarantee well, you. Yeah, but that's not their problem. Yeah. The, the problem is the, the immediate grounds of the stadium. And I think that... Oh, I think the, they're going to show up. I think the fan Liverpool fans will show up to the stadium much like PSG fans did. I don't think they will. I, I think in England, I think they're. I think they'll be very clear about this in the sense that you can either. This is how we're going to do this. You're, you're giving Liverpool either. fans way too much credit. They will take I, tear I, I, gas I, I, to the I, face. No, uh, maybe, but that that might have been about 25 years ago. But <laughs> no, but it's it, it is like you have to say to the, to these people, look, let's be mature about this. We're going to have these games. You can't show up to the field. You can't show up outside the stadium. Because if that starts to happen, then we can't have the games anymore. And then we can just say, forget it, and we're not doing this. And then we can't have games until there's fans allowed in the stadium. And we don't know exactly when that's going to be. So I think if you lay it out like that to, to, to people, I think they'll be mature about it. In France, however, I think those ultras are there somewhat for the team. But I also think they're there to do ultra stuff yeah and mm-hmm. that's kind of part of it which is you know how, i still understand how they get flares into stadiums like well i think next season they're going to start allowing that i believe i thought i read that they're looking into maybe allowing them to bring it in at least then they well, can regulate it, it well what difference does it make they've been bringing it in for years and yeah. it's like they you know again coming from somebody who lives in america where the security is like you, you can't oh get gosh. 
you you can't bring a water bottle into a stadium. No umbrellas, no, nothing. Yeah, so I, I again, I still don't understand how a billion dollar club <laughs> can't afford to like hire security to check people for flares. But that, it's one of those things where I think they just sort of allow it under the table. But yeah. but back to the original point, it's like I think that the apathy of the French government towards their own sports league in the sense that it was not a priority. I don't think this was something they gave much thought to. I don't think this was something that they thought needed to be saved or needed to be worked with. I feel like the LFP were always waiting Mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of working hand in hand. Like, I don't think it was fought for. I don't think league on was fought for. I don't think the sport was fought for. I think they just sort of left it up to a bunch of bureaucrats and the bureaucrats are going, okay, uh, why do we need this headache? Why do we need to worry about all these tests that we're going to have to do and worry about the quarantining and worry about the stadiums and worry about the transportation? It's just a big headache. Let's not worry about it right now. Let's kick the can down the road to August, which is what they did. Yeah, that's absolutely what they did. And you know what? If you're just going to say that, if that's, you know, instead of doing this sort of, oh, Lee Gunn really wanted us to cancel the season. No, we didn't. The, 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 the government canceled it. All this sort of finger pointing stuff. Let's just be honest and go, we don't really care that much about football. Especially like, you know, we don't care if Angers are playing Strasbourg in June. We don't, we don't care. Like, we're worried about other things. We want resources to be in some in other places. This is why we're doing this, as opposed to this sort of, you know, moralizing of, oh, it's for the player safety or any of this stuff. It's like, you know, be honest and say that you didn't, nobody fought for French football. And I think that what it speaks to is why league on is considered the fifth league talent wise i think it's up there third or fourth right now i think they have a lot of quality players in this league yeah and you, you have certain clubs that are trying leon is trying you know leal are trying you know people are these clubs are trying to be respectable mm-hmm. and to do stuff in europe and to and to be important and to be something like a global brand yeah leon could be in the quarterfinals i mean they're up one nil over juventus in the champions league i mean they've got a decent team they're they're trying yeah but they're not getting the backing of their governments there isn't a sort of investment in league on and and think about it really all those teams that got those new stadiums for pretty much the sole purpose of hosting the european championships Mm -hmm. you know tottenham is not building a stadium so that it can host a world cup. You know, Arsenal didn't build these, these clubs in England that have the money, these clubs in Germany that have the money, they're building these, they're building stadiums in Spain. They're going to renovate the Santiago Bernabeu. I think at some point or, yeah. or the camp one of the, they're going to renovate those new stadiums. They're going to like, because they care. And you look at PSG, they're going to renovate the Parc des Princes. Why? Because they care. And that's what this is about. It's always been about 
what le- at what level do you care about this thing? And do you view a sports league as a cultural as as anything culturally significant? And I feel like in 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 America, you are not going to see President Trump. I know this is a ridiculous comparison, <laughs> but just stay with it. you're not going to see President Trump come out in May and go, sorry, the NFL season is canceled because blah, blah, blah. We can't make it safe, blah, blah, blah. You're just not going to see that. He's that actually doing the happen. opposite. He's going to say, you guys are going to play or else. No, but that's the, it, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. It, 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 it's weird how like some guy in a suit can go out on TV and go, up. Oh, Sorry, you can't play football. Yeah. This is weird. They made like, that decision, and it, it looks like the lockdown's going to end, you know, early June in in France. So there's no reason why players can't, like Alas was saying, come back to train and then maybe play and uh, resume the season in July. It definitely seems possible. Um, but um, and we, we had this topic later on, but it just seems like a natural transition. So you know, scheduling for the next two months. Let's just assume league on does not come back. So what does the scheduling for the next two months look like um i think everything that i've read the players will not play or not come back to training and probably late next month and then we've got maybe the the coupe de france final um against saint etienne and then you've got the coupe de la liga against leon um probably maybe late i don't know when would that be late july early august maybe get those two games in i i think that they need to come back early mid June. Yeah. I think they have to, I think they have to they they can't keep those players away for that long. Neymar's starting to lose what, it. He he's throwing eggs at his kids' head today. I mean, we got to get these players back. No, cuz here's why you have to. You have and I think they said that on June 2nd the players are allowed to individually train whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. Yeah. I don't know if that means they're allowed at the facility or not. But to me, the minute you can get those players back at the facility, you get them back at the facility. Yeah. Because you need to start. You need to start testing. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, you got. You need to start. Like you need to start testing these players. And I think just mandatory. Any of the players that come back are going to have to be quarantined for fourteen days. I think that's still in place. Maybe, but I. Either way, I get them back as quickly as mm-hmm. I humanly could. I would get them tested. Because I don't know if, especially the players coming from Brazil, because mm-hmm. I do not, of all of all the things I've said about the disease not being this like life, you know, this this the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. The way Brazil has handled it has kind of made it into a really bad thing because yeah. their their president doesn't really know what he's doing. So like you know, if you have a like if you have a competent medical system you should be fine with this virus if you have something like a competent medical system in your country brazil competent leader yeah or even a (laughs) semi-competent leader or even semi-competent states yeah this guy's got nothing i mean this guy is this guy is enough this guy is just less than nothing as a leader so to me it's like not to get off on a tangent but it's like get the brazilians out of there yeah save that for our brazil uh, politics podcast yeah, yeah. Uh, get get yeah get get them get them out of there, and get them in France. Have them be tested. Have them slowly get themselves back into training, and 
try to aim for late June matches. Again, I don't know what that those matches would be. I think what they should do is they should have PSG should be playing. Oof, they're going to need five to six matches before they play Champions League. Yeah, and that what makes me makes me wonder if there's no you know if Ligon does not resume. Could a couple, maybe Leon and, and PSG and, and St. Etienne, could they maybe play some games against each other in addition to the, the, the cup finals? You know, is there some kind of like mini tournament or something? The, 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 the problem that you have, too, is that you don't have, you don't have, the, the other leagues are, are still playing matches. Yeah. So you can't like scrimmage, you can't like scrimmage a Bundesliga team. So what I think you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get them back into training. You're going to have to get them back individual training, then groups of five, then general training. And then by late June, early July, you're going to either have to have a tournament outside of the country, like in Qatar somewhere in an indoor stadium where you bring like the where you bring the Asian clubs over. Hmm. So like. Maybe you play teams from Japan or teams from South Korea or teams from China just to get matches in. You, you know what? Mel was saying that uh, he would recommend uh, Mel, PSG Talk contributor, was, was mentioning Scotland. I think it was Mel. And I believe that they have canceled their league and, and Celtic were the champions. But that seems like a place where they, they don't have that high of a, a COVID-19 raid and and it's cooler, and there's teams there that aren't playing, so maybe PSG and Celtic could play, and Rangers yeah. and Hearts and yeah. whatever they're, other they're teams. Gonna, yeah, they're going to have to get at least five to six matches, and they're going to have to play them and play them in a way where they could get into something like match shape. Mm-hmm. So, like, Neymar is going to have to play those games. Like, Mbappe's going to have to play them. And if they get hurt, they get hurt. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, you can't have they them have sit out for five months and say, "Go win the Champions League now." No, like, you, and, and and I only say this because I actually think that of all the years that they ever have a chance to win this thing, this might actually be the <laughs> chance. After what they were able to do in March, I think this might actually be the chance after all these years. Yeah. So let's you know let's not let's give them the best possible chance. So if you can get five five to six scrimmages in let's say two a week Mm -hmm. then you get the coupe de france at the end of july maybe i don't know if they've canceled the coupe de la league but if you get those two matches in that gives you two competitive matches headed into a champions league match on the what ends up being like the 11th or the 12th Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then you play that game if it's a single game or whatever it's looking like it's going to be single from the quarterfinals you know on through to the final is going to be a single game is what I'm reading. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, it's easier to, it's easier to coordinate it that way. Less but, money, less money. You know, you don't have the yeah, two games. It's, it was going to be less money anyway. Yeah. Because you weren't going to be able to have fans in the stands. I think in Turkey, they might try to get fans in the stands for that final game, but we'll, we'll see how that looks, how they, how they are looking at the, at that point. Cause that's late August. So you don't know. Yeah. Like, they could get fans for the... I mean, you wouldn't have traveling fans, but maybe, like, the local population would come in to, like, watch the game or something. 
just because you don't know if that's three months from now. Yeah, it's hard to believe if if PSG makes the final after all these years and then no PSG fans are there to to see it. It's like if no PSG fans are in the stadium, did it really happen? Well, I mean, it's very PSG. This whole whole thing has been very PSG. That's why I think they can win it because it's like, oh, well, of course they'd win this one. Well, this is what's going to make the uh, the PSG Amazon documentary just fascinating. Yeah. You know, just chronicling everything that's happening. I hope they're still rolling. I don't know if they are or not, but it'll be fascinating. So that's kind of what we think is the next couple months. Well, looks no, like. I, I'm oh. also going to say too, yeah. which is that there, there, it's going to be a weird. Um, it's going to be a weird. I, I actually think that they should actually start the season. What, if you're gonna correct this mistake, mm-hmm. just start the season in July. Mm. I know it's warm, but they play the World Cup in these in these conditions. It, it's it, it you know it's not 150 degrees in France in July in August. They play in August anyway. Yeah, right now so, they have August 23rd. I believe it was circled for uh, but, the but next I season. Don't, well, but they don't, and I get why they're doing that because they want to try to get fans in the stands by that date or or a couple of weeks after. They don't want to lose all the revenue, right? But it just seems like it might be worth the sacrifice. I don't know how this works television wise, but it might be worth the sacrifice of that money on the front end, so that you could basically take the whole month of December off. Hmm. Yeah. And then start playing again back in January and get back on schedule, but it's just a thought. It's possible. There's that's a lot a of long time not <laughs> to play. That and and if you're like, let's say you're like FC Mets or something like love Mets. When like they're not going to play a meaningful. They're not going to play those players. Are not going to play a, a, any sort of meaningful game for five months. Like at least if you're PSG, you can sort of like get scrimmages together and you, you have resources to travel and you can go and do tournaments in like Asia or something mm-hmm. or, or Qatar, or you can go to Scotland. If you're like a mid-level league gun team, you're not going anywhere. No. And we, we should also note that, you know, a lot of these players will probably find, you know, financially some of the, you know, fringe players, maybe not, they don't make a million dollars, but you know, then the staffs of these teams that are going this long, they're all probably furloughed or maybe, unfortunately, laid off. And so not playing these games, having this long layoff, it, it's affecting the players, the staff of these of these teams. And um, if, you, if you've seen that Sunderland documentary on Netflix, you can really see what turmoil at a club and financial issues can really do to employees of the team and how it affects the community and so this this will have a ripple effect on down and that and that's also the other point i I was making too is that when you cancel a league you're not just like telling the players they can't play you're you're affecting everything around that like there these clubs have employees they need to pay Mm -hmm. and i'm sure there's you know venues outside of stadiums that could use that business and it's it it is a financial hit like this is not a decision that again it it just it underscores the point of why they made it so early in the first place it's like you know these are 
there are a lot of human beings that get affected by this. It's not just sort of we miss playing football matches. Yeah, they, they see it as something trivial and not something that can affect people's livelihoods and, and everything else. They figure, oh, everyone's as rich as PSG and everyone's as rich as Neymar. So who cares if we just cancel the season? It's like, no, it doesn't really work that way. You're really affecting people that maybe live paycheck to paycheck and this is their livelihood. And it's really unfortunate. I understand the need for safety, but there was no need to make a decision at that time. They should have waited. And now that they see the Bundesliga and the Premier League and everyone else coming back and doing it successfully with really no incidents as of yet, let's knock on wood, um, they should have waited and then followed those leagues. So that's kind of our thoughts on, on all of that. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about if uh, anything else changes. But, Mark, I wanted to get your take on some of the latest transfer news. So we've got... It looks like by Sunday they're saying Mauro Cardi would be a done deal, that we would uh, PSG would have agreed with uh, Inter Milan on a reduced transfer uh, fee or option to buy fee. Originally it was $70 million and I'm reading it's going to be more like 50 with maybe $10 million in bonuses. So I tweeted out that even if you paid 60 60 for a Cardi is highway robbery. I think a lot of Inter fans are upset about that. Um, Alex Tellez, that's a, another transfer. One Portuguese paper said it's a done deal. The president today was like, I don't, I haven't heard anything about it. Um, just on those two, they, those seem like the closest to getting over the line. Any thoughts on those? Well, I think with any sort of um, PSG transfer, like the Tellez thing, when when the when the local, let's put it this way, we've been in the spot before where the local paper says <laughs> it's done. And it just sort of ends up being, oh, uh, Porto wants some leverage, so let's leak this to the, let's leak this to the media so that we can get another club to come in and bid higher. Yeah, I still, is, I, st- I still have the the headline that says Delict was a done deal, like framed on my wall, and it never happened. So you never know with these things. Yeah, so I don't. I, I mean, would it be a good signing? Yeah, um, I think, I think I wrote this on Twitter, but I think fullback is one of the toughest positions to play in the sport Mm -hmm. and i think it's one of the most taxing on the body because you just have to do so much yeah yeah but and i think that's why you need um you need more than one good one Mm -hmm. at each position so the more fullbacks you have that are quality that can start the better so if it's like a 65-35 split between the two, Telus and Bernat, I think you're in a good spot there. I think if it's a 55-45, whatever. I think those guys, I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good solid left side. And, and if, you, if you look at the reported fees, so if you have a Cardi, let's just say $60 million, and the reported fee for Telus was 25 So if you're saying you can get a Cardi and Telus uh, for, what, $85 million? That that's yeah. really really good, I think. Because yeah. I think Cardi's a hundred million. You know, take away his attitude or whatever. His just based off pure skill, he's a hundred million euro player. Well, uh, in, in this market, he isn't. Yeah, in but, this market. But if everything you know a year ago, I think he well, was. Yeah, a year ago it was a good deal. No, yeah. it was a good deal when they signed it. And if they could get ten million off the top of it, you know, whatever. I, I would have just said. T- you know, pay the seventy and move on. But if they if they can get it reduced, then you know. Leonardo's a shrewd businessman. They know Inter do not want him back at all. Uh, yeah, Gab Marcotti wrote that it would just completely blow up their wage structure and completely screw everything up in terms of the transfer market for them. So Leonardo knows this, and he's taking full advantage of it. 
yeah. And I'm I'm of the mind that they're not going to do much this uh, this summer. I don't think um, any team is really going to do that much this summer. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of free transfers and loans. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think you're going to see the, the free spending that you normally would have because of all of this. And I think since the, 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 the structure of the season has been so screwed up, you're not, it, it's going to be harder to get those balls in the air. Yeah. To, to, so like, you know, if you're like you're not doing a Neymar or an Mbappe move in this environment because there's so much that has to go into those deals. Yeah, same with like Dortmund with um, Holland and um, Sancho. I mean, those two players would command so much. I can't imagine that they would move this summer. Well, why would you no, want to if, if you're, you're Dortmund? Those, and if you're those clubs and you have those players under contract. And they're under contract for more than an extra year. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to kick the can. I would think they're going to kick the can down the road and, yeah. and wait to see what the what the next if the how the economy bounces back and if those other if clubs are going to be willing to spend. That's true. Um, so I, I just like so I look at it as you, you get a Cardi settled, you get a guy like Tellis. Mm-hmm. You maybe swap out in one midfielder, maybe Draxler leaves, and then you bring another guy in to replace him. And then I, I still look at those, I still look at those Cavani and Silva deals, and I think, does Thiago Silva really want to test this market right now? Does Edison Cavani really want to test this market right now and see how much he's going to get paid compared to what PSG can still pay him? Yeah, that's well, a good like, point. I, I, I just look at it like maybe Cavani has a market, but I don't think Thiago Silva has a market at all. It's, like, what is his what is his market right now? Especially, A, we're probably going to go into a recession of some kind. B, he's 35 years old. C, you just saw in the last game PSG played that <laughs> finally Kimpembe and Marquinhos figured out their center back pairing. Like, they finally, those two know what to do now when yeah. they're in the game together. And that was an issue for years, that when you put Marquinhos and Kimpembe together, that they didn't know, that neither of them really knew what to do with the one with the other. Now they know what to do. So they know what the roles are. So Silva really is kind of an odd man out. So unless he wants to go back and play, you know, and do a Danny Alves and play in Brazil... Milan's like, been rumored to maybe go. He could go back there, but why would they want to do that? Like, yeah. they, there's no reason they're not going to win anything in the next five years. Well, they, I mean, they brought Zlatan back, so they like kind of aged, you know, former well, superstars. Yeah, but they brought Zlatan back because they had no other option. Well, the thing with Silva is interesting because you know PSG they're trying to get the players to reduce the salaries and being the captain, he's kind of the spokesperson for the team and. There was a report, I think it was Lakeep, so take it for whatever it's worth. But they they basically said that because he hasn't gotten a contract extension, he's kind of like, well, why would I reduce my wages now if I'm going to have to leave? And like you're saying, make a lot less. So he, it, there's a lot of bad blood. They said that he's not like answering his phone, and it's it's just not a good relationship. Well, so, why would why would any why would any of them reduce their wages? Well, because PSG, the club is asking them to. They they want them, and, and Nasser has come oh, out I'm publicly. Sure they- 
Oh, I'm sure they are asking them to reduce their wages. Yeah. Like every club is asking their players to reduce their and wages. And every other club has for the most, well, not everyone, but a lot of high Barcelona, for example, I don't think Manchester City, maybe they have, but you know, most most players have and considering employees of the club have been furloughed, um it would I think it would be a good gesture considering how much they make, but nothing well, well, it's a gesture. Yeah. They don't have to do it. They don't, yeah. No, but that's the, the the thing is they don't have to do it. Like I I don't think that I I'm not going to hold it against players who have a finite career to make less. You know I I don't again I don't I do not I do not bemoan if a world class football player with essentially less than a high school education is holding as much making trying to make as good a financial decision as they can possibly make mm-hmm. i have no qualms about that because I, I always I, I i always say that i don't i don't talk about other people's money because i'm not in their shoes i don't know their financial situation i don't know how much money they're giving to their friends and family i don't know how much money they have invested in steak restaurants i don't know any of that <laughs> so i don't know if there's any reason why they're either going to give away their money or they're going to keep it. Mm-hmm. So I try to stay out of that. I get why PSG as a club are trying to do that. It, it helps them a bit. But believe me, if there's any club that can handle it financially, it's PSG. Yeah. I don't think they're... I mean, they're going to lose the gate revenue, but... I think $200 million is what I'm seeing is what they expect to lose. Which is not great, but... It's less than it's one Neymar. But it, it, you can make it up in the TV deals, the next the, the next few TV deals, and you can make it up in Champions League money. Yeah. So there is ways they can do it. And they the way that they have so aggressively uh, gotten their sponsorships going, like how they, they – and this is the reason they do it, is because – you have all these different revenue streams that are that are not going to go away anytime soon. So I think PSG are probably in the best shape to survive all of this of anybody. Obviously, I'm not sure how the whole uh, oil price plummet or natural the, yeah the natural gas again. natural gas. Yeah, I know. I, everyone's so, it's so easy to say oil, but it's natural. It's the natural gas yeah. that, that really gets you. But no, but tell me about it. Now, really think about it, though. Yeah, all of the deals that PSG have done to get themselves to what being the ninth most wealthy club in in Europe. Yeah, let's 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 go ahead and jump into that. So KMPG, I guess it's what is that like an accounting firm or some some kind of something uh, like that. something like that. They came out with a report. PSG jumped two spots over. Um, last year's report they've been doing this for about five years i believe um but psg ranked ninth in terms of the uh, most valuable teams in the world and to your point about you know commercial revenues they actually had the most of any team in the top 10 so they they brought in about 377 million in commercial uh, revenues so that's a huge number more than anyone else they're in the top 10 most valuable teams in the world um so you know they're in great financial Standing and like we mentioned before, you know, Mets, Toulouse, all these other like mid-table, lower-tiered French teams, and even 
uh, League Two, I mean, they're these teams do not have the they're not making three hundred and seventy seven million just based off of commercial revenue, and so they're in a lot of financial difficulty with canceling the league. Um, but in terms of PSG, this is absolutely fantastic to be in the top ten. It, it just goes to show that they're not just a team that comes in and spends a bunch of money. That but they had a vision that they wanted to go after Jordan Brand. They wanted to get Accor Hotels to sponsor. Yeah, and every, it seems like everything they're doing is working. And this is kind of showing that they're on the right path to being you know ahead of Arsenal, um, which well, is a it, historically great club. Well, yeah, historically. Yeah, um, you made sure I said that. When when they signed Neymar Jr. and Kylian Mbappe in the same transfer window, people were clutching their pearls and going, oh, my God, how are they going to pay for it? There, there's no way they can possibly make this work financially. And guess what? By the skin of their teeth a little bit, but they did mm-hmm. make this work financially because you don't just sign those two players to win football matches. Yeah. You sign those two players so that you can financially secure your club for the next 20 years, which is what they did. The yes. plan worked. But you read these and, pieces and they say, oh, Neymar's a failure. Signing him was a failure. And maybe on the pitch, he's been injured, which is no one's fault. But financially, incredible. Raising the profile of the team, incredible. These these were moves that you had to make. If Neymar's available and you can afford it, you have to buy him. And, and so I don't oh, know how yeah. anyone could write that it was a bad decision. Well, because they're because they're 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 arguing under they're they're arguing in bad faith. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. No, but it, it is. It this is why those signings were made. It's because financially, it would allow them to transition the club from being a a state financed club to a self generating to a self generating revenue club or whatever, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. That's why they did it. Yeah. Like that that's exactly why they did it. They did it so that they could transition it away. Do you think that you know the the Emir of Qatar wanted to keep pumping money into this thing <laughs> to, for the for the next 20 years? No. Yeah. Of course not. That was never the point of it. Like you had to transition it so that it is in case you need to sell it worth something. Right. If the let, let's put it this way, if the, all the club had behind it was the was the natural gas money, then when you try to sell it to somebody, mm-hmm. it's not worth anything because it no longer has the natural gas money. Behind and, it. and don't forget, they're building just a beautiful training facility, um, all the bells and whistles. And you think about all the talent that's in in Paris and in the suburbs. I mean, they have set PSG up to be successful for decades, even if and when they ever leave. I mean, this team. It was always a sleeping giant, and that giant has awoken. And and if they do leave, someone with money will come in, and the infrastructure is there for them to just keep it moving. No, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the point. Like yeah. you, you, it, it, it is now something like a self-sustaining machine, mm-hmm. and that takes a while. It takes vision. It takes patience. It takes signing the right people, and it takes understanding that. You're more than a provincial French club. And this is the mentality that, you know, we've been talking about for years now. And I've been talking about for years now. And this is where it comes home to roost for all those other clubs. This is where if you're Saint-Étienne or you're Marseille or Mm -hmm. you're Lyon, that mentality, it hurts you now. Because you're not 
international brands. You're not like you're not at that level. You're not in a situation where the French government feels the need to protect you or to sort of or to, to you can't lobby them. And PSG right now holds all those cards because they are like they're self-sustained. Yeah. They really don't like and I, I say this sort of tongue in cheek, but I actually kind of mean it a little. What would happen if PSG just decided today to say, look, we're not that far away from England. <laughs> you know, we're really not. Like, we're, we're just, a, you know, just have to drive under a couple tunnels and you're in, and you're in like, right near, <laughs> what is it, probably a three-hour drive to London. It's not that far. No. So, hey... What you know, we're we're independently wealthy. If the Premier League ever wanted to expand, if if you ever wanted to have something like a Super League with like the, the, the top teams in Europe, like PSG would be all over that. And where would the other French teams be? Maybe Lyon makes it, but Marseille ain't making it. I mentioned that in one of our PSG talking podcasts that this coronavirus and all the leagues doing their own thing at the time we didn't know that they were all going to start up except Ligue, except Ligue 1, but. If there ever were a good reason to have the Super League, this seems like it would be it. You know, there's just too much chaos all over Europe. Let's just bring the best teams together in one league, one decision. You know? Well, if you decided to do that, and you decided to do a 20-team Super League, and you played each team, you would have to you'd, – you'd still want the Champions League. Like, you would still want to have a Champions League format. You'd still want to have those those types of games as opposed to having, like, a, like a large season. Because it's, you know, having the Champions League finals, like, a big deal. Well, the Champions League could be, like, the like a cup, a domestic cup. Well, no, it, I would think it would be more like, it would, it would be, that you see, that's the thing, though. You, it would have to be, you'd have to either do it like the World Cup, except play more matches against each other. Mm-hmm. Or you'd have to do it like a domestic league, but then that a domestic, but that wouldn't work either because that's like a single elimination tournament. Yeah, so it would have to. It would end up the Super League would end up being would it would have to end up replacing the Champions League. Yeah, and it would be in which would actually take away some of the 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 key of it. Yeah, but that's that's a far enough conversation away. But my point essentially is that. If something like that were ever to happen down the line, PSG are positioned well enough where they would get into that and not be sort of left behind in in the poverty of <laughs> Lee Gun. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's interesting. They Premier League. Um, people have always wondered where would PSG finish if they played in that league, and maybe we get a chance to see. Well, no, it, it's if if. It's strange because you, you you would think that PSG are sort of stuck where they are mm-hmm. in the sense that you can't you know you're not you're not English you're not German you're French. Well, look, but I, if I, that stru- <laughs> if that structure were to break down at some point, which it could, and I think that this sort of the reason that these leagues are starting up again is because they fully understand that setting the precedent of canceling seasons and losing all of this revenue is not good. Yeah. It's not a great it's not a great precedent to set. And if you can bring these players back safely, which you clearly can, 
then there's no real reason not to. And now it looks like PSG are going to be in a situation where they're going to take a bit of a financial hit, but they can they can withstand they it. Can, they can withstand it. They're going to keep dominating French football because these teams are going to have to sell. Quite honestly, these teams, if not this year, next year, they're going to have to sell players. Like, a lot yeah. of them. Yeah. And that you're, it's going to take a while to get that talent back up. Mm-hmm. The so, whole league is going to be like Monaco. Yeah. Or worse. <laughs> or it's worse. Be, it's going to be more like a, like a red. Yeah. You know, or, if there if there was ever a case for uh, PSG joining the Premier League, you know, if uh, Missouri can be in the SEC here in college football, then I think PSG could make it into the Premier League. Well, That's just my if, if if it works if it works out uh, better for PSG than it has for Missouri, then uh, hey, Missouri's got a couple SEC East titles. We'll give them we'll give them that. They've had a couple a, a couple, of years in, in, in what in football. Do they have they do yeah. They have SEC East, East, yeah. Tennessee and uh, Florida not been great. Well, what does does that mean? Eh. Winning the SEC East. They get to the SEC championship game against Alabama and get curb stomped to Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully PSG could maybe one day be the Missouri of the SEC and make the move to the Premier League. Think about how much money they would make in in TV revenue. Yes, and that would be interesting to have like. It would be weird to have like Bournemouth come to the Parc des Princes and like have have like some you know English guy named Toby playing like right back in like France. It, it'd just be weird. It'd be kind of interesting. I would love to see it in a in a parallel universe. It might be cool to see what that would look like. The trip from Newcastle down to Paris though that could be a bitch. <laughs> that, yeah, that... <laughs> that that traveling would not be good. And I'm sure they would take. Well, now that Newcastle may be bought by the Saudis, that might uh, that might actually start an international incident. What would we call that derby? I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to have a good name. No, it would. It'd be a, like literal war. <laughs> like the Sa- Saudi, like Newcastle versus PSG in the Champions League would be like a proxy war. Well, they they another college football reference. I believe it's Utah and BYU. They call that the Holy War when those two two teams play. So maybe that this would be the. Uh, the Premier League that's, Holy that's, War. But, but that's irony because they're all Mormons. This is true. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, let's transition from that. We'll think about that. That's an, a topic for another uh, episode. Uh, but yes. we're, we're over an hour here. So let's just jump into some Twitter questions. We got a few. This one came from at PSGAJ, good friend of the pod here. And he wants to know, we talked a little bit about it, but how optimistic are you for the summer transfer window? I'm, I'm optimistic. Like I said, if we can get Tellez and Icardi for, you know, what did I say, $85 million total, brilliant business. I think if you can lock down a tall midfielder, there's been talks of maybe Roma's um, Lorenzo Pellegrini, I think he would be pretty good. Um, team him up with another um, Italy international in variety. I think that could be a good partnership. Um, and then I think if we can get a right back, you know, Pereira at Leicester City maybe. Um, I'm, so I'm feeling really optimistic knowing that we're getting some of the business out of the way early. Leonardo is on the phones. He's working. He's looking for good deals. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. What about you? I, again, I'm not expecting much. I don't think they need to do much. I think they have a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. I think they figured out. I, I really do think they figured out some stuff at Dortmund that, you know, like 
Tilo Kerr can be a legitimate right back. I think like that's his. Like I think he's better there than he is as a center back. He's just not. He's not big enough to be a center back. Yeah, but, but but like you said, you need a couple, and I'm just not sold on Colin Dagba. I think they they do. Yeah, need I mean one you more. can you can you can look for one if the yeah. price works. Yeah, but I, I I'm just under the impression like look, there there isn't going to be any major deal that's going to change the team this year unless they get a bargain or a steal or, or a sleeper kind of thing that happens. So let's just. Um, Let's just make sure that the, the the positions that we need to 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 make solid, we make solid. We make sure that if a player leaves, that he gets replaced. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they might have to get another backup goalkeeper because I don't know what the Sergio Rico situation is. If he if he yeah he'll he'll be gone. Um, there's been a couple of names, and now I don't know if you saw the, the story. Uh, Marcin Bolka crashed a, a two hundred thousand. Uh, dollar Lamborghini that he was renting head on with a Hyundai. Oh, he was renting it. Okay. He is, yeah, it wasn't his. He was. It was a rental. Um, Who rents a two hundred? Why? <laughs> backup goalkeepers. If I tried to understand well, them, we'd no, be here no, all he's day. not even the backup. He's the third string. He's the third string. Yeah, he's played one why, game. Why is the third string goalkeeper renting a a two hundred k Lambo? Well, it's the same reason. Why is he on some YouTube channel talking about Di Maria? Like, basically throws beer bottles at the TV anytime Manchester United comes on. It's just like the guy's more trouble than he's worth. I don't know. I I don't think he's gonna become the backup. No, he's 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 likely gonna be gone. He's got one year left. But maybe I mean Donnarumma. I talked with uh, some of the guys over at Sempre Milan about you know there's been a lot of rumors between PSG and Milan. Is there any players they think could realistically move? And and they seem to think it was Donnarumma just based off of the money that he wants and who his agent is, Raiola. They seem well, to think he- that that was a player. Well, would he be a backup? He he would. Backup? I think I think he would come in, know that he's the backup, probably probably play a good amount of games, but with the understanding that Keeler Navas is going to turn thirty four in December, I think. So he knows that it'll be his time next season. So maybe maybe I think that's a tough sell. Yeah, especially with the European I think championships. A, I th- yeah, I think that's a that's a real that's a real tough sell, actually. Yeah. It'll be tough, but uh, let's keep it moving. So this one comes from I underscore Martinez underscore nine, and they want to know, can Neymar being among the players that refuse to lower their salaries be using that as a way to force his way out? I don't think so. I I think Neymar's going to be here for another year, whether he lowers his salary or not. I don't think that's his ploy to get out. I don't even think he is. I think it's Silva's probably leading that charge. Um, I I believe Neymar's made donations and stuff, so I, I don't think that he's purposely not lowering it because he's greedy or anything like that or using it as a sinister tactic to get out of Paris. Well, from what I understand, he's using some of that money to pay his uh, foundation employees. Yeah, right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, again, I know it's cool to, to like, put every sinister motive possible on the guy, but, like... I don't think there's anything to this except they don't want to lower their salary. Like, again, not not my money, not my money, not my issue. But as, I will it, say, and as much as they make, let's just remember, Qatar has a lot. QSI has a lot more. So what I will say in in, in relation to this is that no club is in a position to make mm-hmm. a major transfer move this 
summer. Preach. I just don't feasibly see how that's going to work. I don't see how they can. We don't even know what the transfer windows are. We don't even know how long those windows are. Yeah, we don't know when it opens. Nothing. We don't know when it opens. We don't know when it closes. We don't know how long it's going to be. We we know financial fair play will be relaxed, but. No one's gonna spend the hundred and fifty million that it would take to sign Neymar, or the three hundred million it would take to sign Mbappe. And PSG no, are not gonna just, take garbage players and let one of them go. No, it, it, it's, it's especially when you have a Champions League still, still to win. Exactly. So Neymar and Mbappe will be here for at least one more season, and that'll give PSG, Leonardo, Nasser time. To work on extensions with both of them. Um, Mbappe recently made comments that he wants to win the Champions League. I think both of these guys now understand that winning a Champions League at PSG is, even this year in a weird season, is exponentially better for their legacy than winning anything with Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Liverpool, or wherever else. Like, they will get statues outside the Parc de France and they will be remembered forever for winning PSG's first title. It would be, what, Real Madrid's 14th? Who cares? I mean, it does nothing. So I think they both realize that and they want to win something at PSG. And they both seem really happy and enjoy playing with each other. So, Well, and, and, and I'll, I don't like to get too much into this, but I'll, I'll get into it a little bit. Yeah. I, I understand that there, at some point in Kylian Mbappe's career, you know, all pretty much all of the great players at some point have been to Real Madrid or Barcelona. True. I get that. Yeah. Like, that's that, that, that does not escape me. I don't expect Kylian Mbappe to be a PSG lifer. He's 21, like I, I, though. He's got plenty of time. He's got plenty of time. <laughs> and you don't go to a place like that unless you have your legacy sort of already somewhat mm-hmm. handled. Like, Ronaldo didn't go to Real Madrid until he won a few Champions Leagues. Right. Like, you know, you don't... That move is a... That's like that's an, that's like a... That's, that's the... That's, that's a move that you don't make it to me. It's a move you don't make at 21. Like look like perfect examples. Like look at Luka Jovic. Mm-hmm. Like that's a move you don't make at 21 because why? Cause you, you play there for how long? And then you basically the only way you can go at that point is down. And, and unless you're going to be better than Messi, why go to Barcelona? No matter what you do, they'll say, well, Messi won eight more or whatever like you're always compared to him where at psg you're not really compared to anyone in history like if they win the champions league they're the benchmark they're the Messi and ronaldo of psg like why wouldn't you want that yeah it's just it's not it's not mbappe's time yet i think no. he understands that i think like, he's I'm, I'm, if, I, if i'm gonna make a prediction i i think he extends mm-hmm. sometime in the next month or two and no, there can't be a buyout think, clause for all you other journalists out there that like to write like, oh, he's going to sign, but there's going to be a, a back door he can leave and a buyout clause. Like France doesn't allow it. It's not going to happen. Stop writing about it. Yeah. I mean, you can have a gentleman's agreement about anything, but that you can't put it, you can't put it on paper. No. No, you cannot. So last question for you. This comes from at Philip D. Ortiz, 96, a good friend of the pod. always tweeting at us. Uh, he wants to know, what is your favorite soccer podcast to listen to? Well, I mean, that that's clearly, obviously, PSG talk. Yeah, yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, I don't listen to that many. Okay. Honestly, like, I just, I, I you know, I find... 
I find most soccer podcasts to be not very good in that, like, I, I you know, it's, just, it's not my style to, like, sit there and listen to, like, you know, Raj and Devo talk about, like, <laughs> Premier League and being bald and stuff. Like, and it's not World my, War One references. I mean, hey, who doesn't like a good World War One <laughs> reference? I mean, like... It, it was it was a great war, but you know, you, you, it just it's not my it's not my style yeah. to listen to, to. I just just I don't like. It, you might find that surprising, but I just kind of don't like. A lot of them don't talk about PSG, and when they do, it's always negative. Um, I'm just... I, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's just it's it. I, 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 I'm more just produce the content. I don't necessarily like listen to a lot of like that kind of stuff. It's not my, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, it's not, it's just not my thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say if I can give a shout out, you know, the official league on podcast, uh, Le Beaujou, um, I think those are some really knowledgeable guys and they talk about PSG, um, Quite frankly, frequently, they've got some good uh, guests on. I think they had a former PSG player on not too long ago. Um, so if you're looking for League On uh, content, I would definitely check out that podcast. Um, the guys there are knowledgeable and don't just bash on PSG for 90 minutes or whatever. So check them out. Um, we Mark mentioned Men in Blazers. I guess if you're into the Premier League, you can listen to that. Um, there's no shortage of soccer podcasts, so you could just go and just do a quick search, but I'm kind of like with you, Mark. I just don't listen to that many soccer podcasts just because they're not very good. I'm other sports well, I'll listen to, but well, it's like I have other interests. Yeah, <laughs> like I have other stuff to do, like the the Brazilian podcast. You know, you're busy listening to Brazilian podcast um, news. <laughs> well, I did like when. Uh friend of the show chase uh hayslip did his canary in blue i listened to that yeah, i thought they were i thought that, i thought that was a good to me the best sort of podcast is something that's focused mm-hmm. on like that's why i think we do good stuff it's like it's focused like we're not just talking about random stuff right like there's it seems there's a focus to it you know there's you're because podcasting, you don't want it to be vague. You do want podcasting to be specific. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not the news. Like you want something, you want something fairly specific. And I think the best podcasts are the ones that that uh, serve a niche. Mm-hmm. So, like, I liked when they did that. I hope someday he can bring that back. Yeah, we um, we have a lot of. Uh podcasts that follow us and and then i've I've checked in from time to time and they all do good work i think uh her name escapes me but there was a a leon podcast i believe i think there's a say etienne one um so if you're you know into those teams go for it but i'm i'm all psg i write about it like that's my focus i don't really have a whole lot of time to invest in other teams but so that's not the takeaway from their you know quality of podcast and what they talk about so check those out and um that's pretty much. Check out PSG Talking, our other podcast. Check out Twenty Fourth and Park with uh, Eduardo Razo and John Alangi. All good shows. Um, so hopefully that helped you, and hopefully you enjoyed this podcast, uh, Mark. We're about an hour and fifteen minutes here. So um, any parting words or mention how people can find you on social media? 
Well, um, you can find me at Mark Damon one. Um, I just, I, it was nice to, it was nice to get back into it a little bit. We haven't, I haven't had one of these conversations in a while and it, I've, you know, busy working, busy trying to make sense out of all this. And it's nice to, it's nice to see that we're starting to get back into everything here. It's, I, not completely normal, but at least there's starting to be, we're starting to edge towards normal. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. It's good to be podcasting with you again. We've, we've done a few shows with uh, PSG talking, but not nearly enough. And I'm just ready for football to come back. So yeah, um, we'll just wait and see what happens. We'll, we'll have to catch you next time, but thank you everyone out there for listening. Make sure you visit PSGtalk.com. Follow me on Twitter at PSG talk and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks everyone. Yep. Au revoir for now.